This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Where this weekend, which would be Saturday, June 10th, for a four-hour window, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. at all Zupan's, you can join them for a free summer sampling event featuring the best of what's in season. So go shopping, buy some great food, and taste your way along Zupan's aisles and taste some of the best of summer and, of course, everything they have there. Is great produce, great products sourced from all over the world, but specifically locally in Portland. You might find some good strawberries there. Oh, yeah. And you'll also, yes, the good strawberries are now. Um, I just got some. They weren't necessarily hoods, but I believe the hoods should be in now. Don't I think they are, yeah. 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 Also, you're going to find a tropical seafood sale. Swordfish, mahi-mahi, opa, tamba, tambo tuna, black cod, oh my, and more. June 9th to 11th at Zupans on sale. And of course, there's plenty of other great things going on at your local Zupans through the end of the month, June 30th. Uh, you might want to take advantage of some great specials on uh, meat. Double R Ranch Prime Ribeye is $10 off. Carlton Farms St. Louis style spare ribs, $6 off there. Or uh, I'm a big fan of this. We do this almost every time we go to Zupans as we pick up some of their great house-made marinated chicken kebabs. Um, they've got different varieties. My favorite, by the way, is the Huli Huli. Um, but uh, you can either throw them on the grill or just put them in the oven and make an easy way for you to have a great summer dinner this season. I love that you don't have to think. Really, you just yeah. put those on, and mm -hmm. they're delicious, and it's easy, and they're, uh, yeah, it's done for you, just like a lot is done at Zupans. All three locations, uh, West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego, and of course, you can see all of what we're talking about and more at Zupans.com. Right, here it is time once again it is portland's food scene podcast right at the fork with your host chris angelus from portland food adventures and i'm co-host court johnson hello court johnson how are you today with your slightly deeper voice my slightly deeper voice you said you've got the radio voice going on and it all has to do with uh i'm gonna chalk it up to seasonal allergies um, which I don't normally have, but because I'm spending half the week in San Francisco and half the week in Portland, my body doesn't know where I am. And it's definitely, everything is in full bloom right now in Portland, San Francisco, not so much. So I'm going to chalk it up to that. Well, a lot of the pollen is gone, I've noticed. So it should be, uh, it should be taking care of itself soon. Right. Fingers crossed. Cause I'm not enjoying this at all. Well, I like your voice. And, you know, you Thank you. we talk about a radio voice. You've got one. You're a professional. You're hired beyond this podcast. I'd like to think we're professionals because sure. we've been doing this 10 years. But you're the real professional. You've been on the air, the traditional airwaves for many, many years. And now gracing the airwaves of San Francisco, California. Yes, gracing the airwaves. I appreciate you uh, <laughs> phrasing that way. I do have to say, though, speaking of voice, this is a, a great segue. Um, last week, um, it's like graduation celebration 2023 at my house. For the past month, we've been, it's the big run-up to my daughter, Quinn, graduating, which finally happens today. Oh, and congratulations, Quinn, and yeah. you. Thank you, thank you. And Randy. Um, 
I, I just wish people were handing us money as well because they're mm-hmm. handing Quinn money, but it's just like they handed they hand your daughter money for graduation. Yeah, that's a thing now. Did you not know that? I got an arrest warrant. Oh no, no, it's anyway. It's we're we're <laughs> super we're super grateful to everybody, but it's just like, can I get in on some of that action? Anyway, um, so last weekend was the. Uh, graduation party that we threw for Quinn and as part of that we got a cake so I went to pick up the cake at a, a bakery in Tigard and I kind of at the last minute asked them to do some writing on it and so the decorator came out and you know did you know wrote what I asked her to write on it and I I, I said out loud I said oh you're an artist and this other guy walking into the bakery said I recognize that voice and I'm like you do and he's like right at the fork so um, Rodney is his name and he listens to the uh, podcast every single week. And then he pointed out, actually, she pointed out, the decorator. And I think her name is Wendy. So, Wendy, it's either Wendy or Whitney. I feel bad. I I walked away and tried have to write Have her write it on the cake. She has to sign the cake next time. So, you have the evidence. But uh, I, I think it's Wendy, though. Uh, Wendy says, yeah, and Rodney makes me listen to it all the time, too. And I <laughs> makes think she, her. Yeah, I think she said she, she enjoyed it. But uh, shout out to Rodney and Wendy slash Whitney. Um, uh, they say they listen to the podcast every single week, so we appreciate that. I, you know, that is really cool to hear. And I used to have that happen quite a bit when I was in, you know, lots of restaurants in Portland. The days where I was there three times a week, I right. hear here. But you're amongst people who would listen to this podcast sure. in that situation. The cake decorator, not so much, but so that's cool. But yeah, that was always gratifying to me, and I'm sure that. You know, it's possible that he recognized you from Kink. Well, uh, that not, I don't mean kinky things. Right, I mean Kink.fm. From, from my time or, at Kink. Whatever they call it. That that was, and if it had been, actually, that would have, that, man, I don't know if that would have been the first recognition from that, but it truly was the first time I was recognized from the podcast, and uh, it made me feel really good inside, and, and great to know that there's just this great collection of right at the fork listeners out there and we appreciate you randomly placed all over the place yeah are you telling me that in all your years on the morning show and midday and afternoon and evenings at kink no one ever said hey i recognize that voice yeah they 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 did i okay it's kind of why i backed away from it pretty quickly (laughs) it it just was you know it it, for whatever reason and this is complete since like it was it was not as flattering as it was when rodney recognized my voice because it was just kind of this he's like he's like i recognize that voice and i was just like what so it it was great and your voice isn't on the podcast as much as mine unfortunately for listeners no um It, it must have been my inflection when i said you're an artist Right. So, Chris, you are an artist. How's that? I don't know. But, you know, speaking of in this particular episode today, I we just kind of went all over the place with this. But Vince Wynn, who just won Best Chef Northwest slash Pacific, I think it's called, yeah. at the James Beard Awards, I was kind of uh, humbly uh, explaining that I really wasn't qualified to interview him since i had not eaten his food yet which is crazy but that's that i i explained that a little bit but i went on to explain that maybe i have i've had some something to harp about because i introduced i sort of introduced gary okazaki who will be with us next week by the way as planned to karen brooks who wrote 
not only some great reviews of Bear Lou, but also announced it as uh, Restaurant of the Year last year in Portland. Or was it Chef of the Year? One of the two. Anybody can go look it up. But I took a little credit for that because I don't think Gary would uh, disagree that he he was in his years of not wanting to meet um, food writers. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, it's not, it wasn't just Karen Brooks. It was others as well, which is odd because he's now great friends with Michael Russell. But I don't think he he was one of them. And he said, don't introduce me. But at any rate, I kind of forced the issue a few years ago. And because of that... I just wondered if Karen would have been in Bear Lou as often as she was if she wasn't hanging out with Gary Okazaki. So Vince, and in this podcast, and anybody can listen, all actually tried to, I think he was joking, give me credit for his Beard Award. I'll oh. take it. I'll take it. Sure. <laughs> so he's, you know, here's the thing. He's a really intelligent gracious and thoughtful man which you can which comes through loud and clear in this interview and also anybody's welcome to go back and listen to uh episode number 209 from august of 2000 what did i say 19 2019 yes where he had just opened bearloo and now we're talking to him five four years later almost four years later where he's actually representing Portland and bringing, with, along with Gregory Gorday, bringing the, you know, placing the banner and said, Portland is still here. It's still part of the national, for, uh, an important part of the national food scene. Um, yeah, P- Portland was well represented at this year's Beard Awards. And Vince does, as, as I point out in the podcast, he's really only serving two days a week. And he wins a Beard Award. Yeah. So I think that's pretty cool. And um, uh, now I'm definitely, uh, if anybody listens to the whole podcast, where I hope they we can find a way to have your voice at the end so we have another shot at getting a new listener to say that. Um, but the whole podcast, they'll hear that I ha- have specific plans to go into Bearloo now and eat the food. It's nece- Actually, it's not necessary that I eat the food of a chef who's on our podcast because we don't talk about food that much. This is about them. And right. so, um, so that, you know, I just, it's just nice to do and it's something I should be doing, uh, as someone who, you know, is, has since 2010 been, uh, promoting our food scene in this way and other ways as well. So speaking of which, can I just go into a little bit of uh, Portland food adventures? Oh, you, you might you might as well. We're there, Chris. We should do it. <laughs> well, go ahead and stop me. No, no, no. Please. All right. Just quickly, because I spent a lot of time on Portland Food Adventures website yesterday fixing things, realizing I had some, uh, some out-of-date information on there. But updating, we have uh, two spots left for our trip in September, late September, to Eastern Sicily with Austrian sign, and we have a great... And I'm not just saying that. I know everybody coming on that trip. We have a great group of people, and it's an awesome trip to go to where the White Lotus was filmed. Um, 
and uh, we've done it before. It's fantastic. We got two there. We are. I am so happy to report that Erdaneta and Portland Food Adventures are teaming up again for two more trips to Spain next year. One will be ready. Or is ready. We can sign people up for next April. The same trip. This will be the fourth time we've gone to Basque Country to feature the home of Chef Javier Canteras, uh, where he grew up or was born, Bermeo, and where he has a home and hangs out. Um, that's between Bilbao and San Sebastian. And uh, we've, I mean, that trip is just fantastic. It fills up every year. And that's one reason we're going to do it again to satisfy demand for such a trip. And then we're going to go in the, in October to Andalusia, down starting in Madrid, or maybe even finishing in Madrid. We have not finished that itinerary, but Seville, Cordoba, Granada, those sorts of cities. Uh, we're going to do that, and I'm really pleased to do that. And I must mention Andre, who's also been on this podcast, who is the server at Urdaneta, who does such an incredible job identifying people who might like to go on these trips, because he knows who would enjoy it, and he... He does an, a great job um, informing them of the um, the existence of the opportunity to go. Um, also, we're going to do uh, Austri and I are putting together a trip to Sardinia in the fall as well, which is something a place I'm not I'm going to be familiar with. She's taking me on the preview trip in September. That'll be next September, 2024. And then the big one. Do you know what I'm talking about, Court? I think I do. Yeah. We are going to be going to Hawaii. There it is. To visit the Paleys. And it's a great opportunity for people to catch up and see what Vitaly and Kimberly are up to now, where they're living, why they love it, what their favorite places are, and have Vitaly cook for... Everyone on a beach and in def- different settings. Uh, and just here's the coolest thing about Portland Food Adventures trips. Spend a week with Vitaly and Kimberly. Who gets to do that when they had their restaurants in Portland? Do you think they had five minutes to even join you for coffee? No. Right. So this is a week, and uh, you get to spend the time. That trip will be uh, up on the website soon. I actually need to speak with him today to confirm pricing and all that good stuff, Uh, but we will have very limited spaces for that, 12. So um, if we have to figure out how to take 14, we will, but that's going to be a little difficult. And the other thing I want to point out, Hawaii is expensive. So it's going to be the most expensive trip we've done. Um, So, uh, But but it costs less than flying to Europe, so there's that. But um, it's a beautiful, we've planned out a beautiful trip, and there will be revisions to it as we go since it's almost a year away. And Vitaly and Kimberly are likely to find new things they love in that one-year period. So uh, we've got a base, uh, base plan laid out, beautiful hotel, and uh, we'll go from there. So that's Portland Food Adventures. Thank you for listening and to that. And uh, this, as I always say, is a public service announcement. If you love the Portland food world, there's no better way than expanding your horizons beyond Portland with people who, whose threads are woven right into the Portland food scene. Does that make sense? Is that? It does. 
yeah did, did i did i beat that to death or nah. okay no i mean i meant just in terms of why it's important and on my website now is a nice little thing on the trips tab there's two trips now so you can't miss it um of why you want to go on a portland food adventures trip i used to just explain that and now i'm i wrote it out so people can read that before they go so all right that's enough of that i think listen we're honored to have vince win on the podcast the week that he won a james of james a James Board Award, no, a James Beard Award, and um, it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. As uh, and Gregory, if you're listening, we want to have you on the podcast too. We will have your um, proxy, Gary Okazaki, on to talk about that victory as well as Vince. And we talk about Gary in this episode with Vince because isn't it interesting that Gary is like best friends with all the people nominated right. and who win? Is it mm-hmm. is it a chicken and the egg thing? Does he cause that to happen or is he, you know, just is that just a matter of course? That's for anybody else to decide. Yeah. Listening to all these episodes, you can put all the pieces together. But this is a great episode. I really enjoyed speaking with Vince about what makes a great chef, where he has to go to get better. He's the one who brought that up. And also the nature of the James Beard Awards. He talks about um, talks about who has the the ability to win and uh, how they've evolved over the years. Uh, that's an interesting discussion too. So uh, without providing any more spoilers, let's get right into this interview with Vince Wynn of Berlu. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupan's and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers and local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland, West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. Ringside Steakhouse. For over 78 years, Ringside has been providing the best steaks and has been the home of the beacon of great hospitality in Portland. Make a reservation today at ringsidesteakhouse.com. And while you're there, sign up for their mailing list to be the first to find out about exciting specials and events going on at Portland's beloved Hallmark restaurant, Ringside Steakhouse. And by Portland Food Adventures. It's your opportunity to travel to the world's most celebrated food destinations with Right at the Fork host, Chris Angeles, and some of his favorite chef friends. Check out PortlandFoodAdventures.com for exciting and delicious itineraries to Spain, Italy, and elsewhere. Stay in great hotels, eat incredible food, and leave the planning to Portland Food Adventures. Well, Nice to hear from you. Yeah, well, nice to hear from you. I appreciate it. It's. Uh, I was surprised to hear from you. I figured I asked Gary the other night. He said he was texting you till you went to bed the night of the uh, Beard Awards. Oh, and, yeah. and I said, I wonder if he's going to be able to sleep. So let's start with that. Did you sleep that night? I did have a, a, a kind of a hard time sleeping, but um, yeah, <laughs> I, ha- uh, I ate a little uh, deep dish. Uh, that helped put me to sleep. 
All right. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. Pizza. I I got to imbibe in a little pizza in uh, on the East Coast this week, so I was excited about that. But I'm going to start off the podcast with uh, an unpopular take. Um, I think deep dish is best eaten cold. Well, I'm going to say it's probably best not even eaten. <laughs> Oh but my gosh. no, I, I, I do that. I say that as a, as a New Haven pizza lover, but, Fair uh, nice. you know, I could be excited about pizza, but it couldn't have been more exciting than you were the other night, man. What a year you've had. How, how, so let me ask you this. Were you, a, what kind of odds did you give yourself going into that night and were you ready with a you know were you ready with a speech did you think you're gonna have to give one and uh i'm curious about all of it i i'm just by the way congratulations right up front shouldn't be asking you questions i should be congratulating you uh congratulations to you and your team and i'm gonna say you know portland really needed that night you know it's been a rough few years in portland as you know and you helped, you know, carry the banner for Portland. Like this place is still happening. It's in, we, we, Portland was a food city and it may have lost a little luster, but it's, I don't think it was ever gone, but it's here. And you put down the, uh, you put down the flag and said, Portland's here. You and Gregory both. Uh, congratulations to you both, and I, I could it couldn't have happened to two nicer guys. I don't know oh, two nicer guys. Much. Thank you. No, it's uh, it's definitely an honor to represent Portland. So we're, I'm thrilled. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's uh, you know, it's funny the the whole the Portland food world has changed, and um, you know, to have a few years ago. It was guys like Vitaly and, you know, some other folks who were carrying the banner for Portland. And now we've got a young guard coming in. And what are you, uh, 24? No, I know you're not. I'm just kidding. You look young. Yeah, definitely. um, I started cooking about when I was 24, so a little younger than that. But um, And you're not that – so what are you, 35 now? I'm 36. 36. 36, okay. Yeah. So that's not long, 12 years, man, to get from starting cooking to Chicago and a James Beard Award. That is pretty awesome. Yeah, it's been a special journey. Yeah, and I feel like I'm not worthy to interview you, but I, I'm, I've backed up. You know, oh, no, I've, you've interviewed, interviewed me before, so it's no different. Well, I know, but I haven't been in, you know, I haven't been into the restaurant. I've tried a couple oh, of I times. See. It didn't work out, but you know, I'm out here and I got to get in. I have to get in. Now I'm not going to be able to get in. Uh, <laughs> and now that you've got the, the oh, beer award. Can, we can make it happen. I know. We, we both tried to make it happen before and it didn't. Um, but, uh, but I feel, listen, here's. I'm not going to take credit for this, but I do. Reading Karen Brooks's review of your restaurant and just the fact that you were named Restaurant of the Year, I can't take take credit for this. But what I do know is I don't think Gary Okazaki and Karen would have been friends had I not sort of forced the issue years ago when Gary was like, I don't want to meet her. I don't want to meet anybody. And I said to Karen, have you met Gary over there? He's, and this was at one of my events. 
And so they became fast friends that night. So I think... I would claim it. I would claim it. Well, you know, Gary's not going to deny, and I don't think Karen would deny. I'm not taking credit, but I do... No, I, I'm going to guess that maybe Karen wouldn't have been in to your restaurant I mean, as often, if not for Gary. I should be th- so. I should be thanking you for the beard award. Do go ahead. I'll I feel take like it. I feel like I feel like that's what you want me to say. <laughs> no, that's ridiculous. But um, but I w- you know I thought about it earlier, and I feel that listen, it's a syndrome I have because I can't get to every Portland restaurant because of my geography. And my budget these days can't handle, uh, you know, some three hundred, four hundred dollar dining experiences very often, if at Don't all. Don't you got zoo pants sponsoring you? And you know how much they charge for asparagus at zoo pants? Yeah, they I know. Can give you a little more money. They sponsor me. It's not. <laughs> it's not enough for me to buy uh, much. That I get some. I get some trade with them. And they give us a little cash, um, but it's not okay. enough. To, it's not enough to. Fair to enough. It's not enough, but it's um, so here. Just bec- no one's listening to this podcast to hear about me, mm-hmm. but my dining dollars are now spent. The opportunities are largely spent. I mean, I went to Gato Gato the other night. I go to, I go to Urdaneta, but my dining dollars are generally spent when I'm in Europe because those are new experiences for me, and I. I I can't. I can only spend so much money. But at any rate, that being said, I have a, a syndrome of there's so many places in Portland I haven't gone, especially since the pandemic, and yours is one of them. And I feel terrible about that, especially since not only do I read incredible things about your food, and I just read both of Ka- the last two things Karen Brooks wrote, which are I love her writing. It's great, and how nice to apply it to what you do, which is really special. But also, you're such a nice guy, and you've invited me in, so I feel doubly bad about that. But we will rectify this. This will be rectified. And uh, Talk is cheap. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad. Well, now you just put it to me, so I will make sure. Um, actually, I just asked my girlfriend, should we go in and to this weekend? And I said, well, this is the worst weekend to go. He just won a beard award. There's are you no crazy? Way. Well, are you booked? <laughs> Of course. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, it's a blessing, but yes. Um, but we can definitely get you in, so yeah, no, just I not know. like this week or you know, give it a little more notice. And- well, just to, just listen, for the uninitiated, for the people who don't know, you are serving dinner. You've you got a f- uh, fixed menu two nights a week, two, two seatings a weekend, mm-hmm. right? So that's four, mm-hmm. four a week. Hey, I'm sure there are a lot of chefs out there that said that dude is killing it. He's 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 doing it two nights a week for full service, um, and he's winning James Beard awards. You know, it's um, the you know we've we've had this kind of structure of the the tasting menu for a few years now, doing the pop up, and then of course opening Beer Lou, and this is what we feel is most sustainable. I know some people it's hard to imagine only having service two nights, but because of our setup, so much prep has to go into everything because we don't have the luxury of doing a lot of cooking in the moment. A lot of things have to be prepared, portioned, seasoned, and ready to go. So um, a lot of extra hours are put into getting it to that point. Um, Also, just with the current climate and uh, just the current state of of workers, um, you know, 
less and less workers are capable, less and less people are capable of the hours that, that um, you know, historically Tasty Menu chefs had to work, myself included now. So we had to come up with, um, you know, people see me as a very creative chef, but I think maybe the most creative thing I've done is be able to come up with a, a, a format or structure for the tasting menu to be able to execute the tasting menu while still be profitable. Um, so that's what we found we've been able to do with our two nights. You know, so our staff works 40 hours a week. They work four days a week. Um, and people are really enjoying the three days off. I'm personally enjoying that rest um, and just enjoying time with my family. I, I'm newly married. I'm, you know, I've been married a year now. And that, that's uh, been the number one priority um, is is making sure that, you know, my wife and, uh, you know, our family are, are happy. Well, there are a lot of I, there are a lot of people in any industry <clears throat> who don't come to that conclusion until maybe year twenty five when it's too late. Good on you for being in the first year of a marriage mm-hmm. and and making sure that's a priority. My you know one of my questions is you mentioned um, the labor uh, situation now and being able to find people to work enough hours. But what about skill set? What you're doing requires incredible skill set. You can't just hire somebody who was at, you know, a fast casual restaurant last week and expect them to perform up to the standards that you have, right? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a balance um, within our staff. Um, You know, we've been lucky to get to attract, you know, very talented staff. And we've had a lot of talented, experienced staff. And, and sometimes it's worked out and other times it hasn't. But right now, you know, we have a good mixture of, of staff that, you know, have a, a good bit of experience. And then some that had no experience. And, um, you know, one person I'm really proud of is our baker, Ava. She, uh, she came to me, uh, I think like six months ago with no experience, fresh out of high school just a positive attitude. And now she's, you know, our lead baker. Uh, we have big plans for her in the future and she's doing amazing things. So um, it's, it's, it's those moments that make me most proud to be honest, even more than achieving these awards is knowing that we're capable of doing that with this team and, and, and me doing it the right way. How many, how many staff do you have? So uh, we have six total, um, including front of the house. That's that's a good number because it's it's manageable. Less I believe yeah. there's risk there because if you lose any one that's what 18% of your staff or something. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand it's you can manage them and less risk in terms of having crazy irresponsible people as well, yeah. you know who they are. And a big a big turning point in my career that really helped me improve as a chef, not just improve as a leader, but improve my food, improve is, is really being able to rely and, and trust my team. Uh, you know, when I first opened, I think it's fair to expect that a, a young chef opening his restaurant kind of wants to have control of everything. And um, there can be some challenges in delegating tasks and then trusting people. And, and when there's that lack of trust, you know, it's hard for staff to, um, to feel like they have any ownership on anything. And um, so that's something I'm really proud that we've, that I've been able to work on is, is that aspect. And, and of course it's helped me 
uh, improve as a chef or improve my food. So I'm really grateful for that. How much better are you than the last time we met, which was, I think, right after oh you gosh. opened? We started talking about having you on the podcast before you had opened. And I, it was my feeling like, why don't you get open for a little bit so we can talk about yeah. the experiences you've had? Oh, I mean, from that first week, I would say 100 times. And I would say 90% of that is just as a leader. You know, I think the food is, is better, a little better. But I think I've always been capable of like uh, very good food. But I, I at times lack the maturity to be able to execute that consistently and to, um, you know, command is a negative word, but um, to direct my team to be able to execute that on a consistent level. So even though the food itself is maybe 10% better than it was, um, I feel like the experience is 90% better because because the team is executed at such a high, consistent level. What are some of the things you've realized along the way that where you've been, the light bulb has gone off and you've said, oh, this makes me a better leader. This makes me a better chef, as, I mean, a better chef slash leader. Um, what are some of those yeah, things that you, I mean, that you might tell someone who's in your who's, you know, where you were four or five years ago? Let's see. I think um, an obvious thing is, you know, um, um, giving them opportunity to contribute to the menu, which this is a very obvious thing. Um, but to kind of delve deeper into that, I oftentimes would, um, you know, offer these opportunities and then, if they didn't take them, I would kind of drop it. And in my, my mind, it purely was, you know, they that's just not who they are. They don't they don't, or they don't want they don't want to contribute enough to contribute. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. They don't they don't have the drive to contribute. So it's it's I, I recognize it as a privilege to be able to contribute. Um, and I I, and I was willing to work with them, but um, at times, you know, they they weren't they didn't show that that effort. Um, so now we, we have a little much slower process and we offer more opportunity and I'm a little more um, um, diligent on, um, you know, receiving their feedback on it and, uh, and continue, continuing the process rather than just shutting it down if they kind of shut down, you know. So uh, just offer, offering more opportunity. Um, so you're, you're yeah. forcing the issue a little bit if someone isn't taking initiative, yeah, you're and making them of, take initiative? A, let's see. It's less of a force, but more so I'm just continuing to offer opportunities rather right. than rather than if me kind of shutting it down if, if they show a lack of interest, you could say. You know? You're putting more love into it, right? Yeah. You're, instead, of, uh, instead of forcing it in a negative way, you're, pu you're pulling uh, or pu pulling from um, a caring standpoint so that they can yeah. find their way. And a lot of these, um, you know, a lot of these moments where you kind of see them as negative, they definitely were for the purpose of something positive. And I think that's something I've worked on is like trying to eliminate negativity as motivation, you know, whether it's like having a chip on your shoulder or feeling a certain way, like you're not being represented or, or, um, or, um, showcase enough, you know, just, um, just focus on yourself and what you can do to improve. And, and, you know, if you continue with that, then, then the recognition will come. 
Where do you think you got some of that, um, I guess we can call it knowledge or uh, perspective? Do you think that some of it might have come about with what went on, in the, in, at least in Portland, in the industry during the pandemic where there was a lot of weird shit going on? And, and with chefs, do you think, did you take a look at that and say, and ask yourself, hey, where do I fit in this picture? Uh, have I been as good as I can be? Did some of that take place or is this just, did this I mean, just think, start as part of your, um, as part of your nature? No, I think I always did because I was fortunate enough to work with some incredibly successful chefs that did it the right way. So I had plenty of great examples and I always remembered them, but I also had some bad examples, you know, and it tended, it often tended to be the younger chefs and I get it. You know, um, opening my restaurants, I understood why they were the way they were because um, it's tough. I mean, there are a lot of stresses and and it's it's new and it's easier to be mean than it is to be calm and, and collected. So, uh, you know, I, I saw these chefs who were older, more mature and, and always tried to draw from their maturation, not just in my food, you know, but also in the leaders, you know, the way I led. And, um, you know, we definitely went through some um, ups and downs in, in terms of um, how I maybe, not so much ups and downs, but we definitely, um, you know, made some mistakes and recognized them and, and tried to improve every time and, and uh, tried to make the experience for each employee better um, every day. Who were some of your uh, most appreciated influencers? To yeah, use a different so, different uh, use of the word influencer. Absolutely. So one of the first chefs, one of the first chefs I had was the chef of Providence. His name's Michael uh, Simrusty, and um, again, a two Michelin star restaurant. He's been open twenty years now. Um, just an amazing, amazing man. Um, a great leader. Uh, if I if I hadn't moved up here with my girlfriend at the time, who transferred to U of O, uh, I'd probably still be working for him. Um, he's just that kind of guy, and um, yeah, a great mentor. Have you heard from else, him this week? Uh, not this week, but he he did congratulate me on he he has been supportive, but uh, yeah, he's busy. But we're working on it. We're he's working busy. on it. He's yeah. Listen, you had to come on this podcast. You didn't have time either. Yeah, no, I always got time. <laughs> and then uh, another chef is uh, Daniel Patterson. So, again, chef of a two Michelin star restaurant in San Francisco called Qua. Um, he was open for, I think Qua was open for 16 years. And uh, coincidentally, he was the last chef I worked for. So I kind of was lucky to be bookend by two very mature, very talented chefs that, um, and again, I, I feel like I worked for them at the perfect time of my career. You know, had it been reversed, had I started my career at Quan and finished at Providence, um, I'm sure I would have benefited greatly, but I'm very grateful that I started at Providence and finished at Quan. Were those, uh, do you think you lucked out or was that, is that by design that you made it to those restaurants? Yeah, I mean, no, it's definitely by design. I mean, I, I was never the most skilled, but I was always the most, arguably the most determined. And that's the kind of mindset I had going into these restaurants was, you know, it's a huge step up. That's why I'm there. And um, I'm just going to outwork 
anyone who um, I'm just going to improve impress by with my work ethic. You know, I'm going to do what it takes. Uh, I'm going to do what others aren't willing to do to succeed, basically. And that's the same mentality I had with uh, with Berlu and how I got through the pandemic. You know, I don't know of many fine dining chefs that would be willing to shift to having to wake up at 4 a.m. every day to have a bakery. So um, I think that's that has been a, an approach I've had my whole career and um, one that maybe has... I can, uh, or, and that one that has, you know, benefited me to this point. So when you made that decision to get up at 4 a.m. to have a bakery, were you confident, all right, this is my only way through and that it would work? Or uh, was it really just your best shot in the dark at that point in time? Because that's what everybody was doing. Yeah. I mean, I was talking to someone about this earlier. With each pivot, it was less of a, you know, definitely thought went into it, but it was more of a reaction. You know, this is like, just like cooking, when you, a good cook doesn't really think, they just react. Um, and that's how we responded to the pandemic. You know, we started doing bento boxes, which is like the complete opposite of a tasting menu. Um, but we did that to target all the people that lived above us in Modera. And uh, it was pretty successful. I think we were charged like 15 bucks a box. It had like a salad, some organic chicken and some veggies and stuff like that. And it went over really well. Um, again, and then we shifted to the, the bakery and that actually started because I baked a bun banung, the green cake, and I gave it to my next door neighbor who was this, you know, Westerner, um, never had Vietnamese pastry before. And it, he said it was like the best thing he ever had. And, um, I don't know, it just, this undeniable deliciousness kind of sparked the idea to have the bakery. So, um, here we are and, you know, we're currently not doing the bakery because, it just became a lot to do out of the small space, but we're working on a more permanent space for it and very excited for the future. Have some of those bento box customers become tasting menu customers? Yeah. And it's been a lot of fun having the bakery customers come in for dinner because, you know, the bakery is much more casual and it was fun because we were able to see people on a much more regularly, you know, almost every week. So they would, people would come and, um, it was fun to be able to form that relationship. You know, with the tasting menu only doing about 12 to 15 covers per seating, you're able to form a relationship and, and uh, get to know a lot of the guests on an intimate level. And, um, you know, so having the bakery was yet another opportunity to do that, and it was really special. So anytime someone from the bakery comes in the tasting menu, even to this day, I, it means so much to me. Well, it's a com- completely different animal. Um, and you do have plans to open the bakery. Is that is that public, or you just uh, is that something you've been talking about with a lot of people, or is that kind of in the no, background? I mean, nothing. Nothing's on? yeah, nothing's set. But those are the goals because the bakery was very popular, and I really enjoy it. And will <laughs> when you do that, you're going to be burning the candle at both ends again. Is that something you're? You're now equipped to handle by delegation, or exactly. <laughs> so exactly, you yeah. so you had enough people at the bakery, so they now have the deal. They understand it, so that you don't have to be on it all the time. Yeah, they've they've done a great job, um, you know, executing it consistently, and and uh, I'm very confident in uh, their abilities to, you know, execute. 
the way that we we want we want to. So very excited for that. Yeah. Well, let's take a moment to go from your intimate food to a moment uh, or a message from our sponsor. You mentioned <laughs> Zupans before. Another one, Ringside, who we've been fortunate yeah. to have with us for. Well, six years now or seven years, actually. Um, so let's go to a message from Ringside and come back and talk to you a little bit about whether you have some spare time and what you like to do during that spare time. Chris, we are pausing just a moment to talk about one of our favorite places to eat in Portland, an institution, as it were, Ringside Steakhouse. 79, over 79 years. I remember we were just saying 75 years, so time's flying, and, uh, and we're coming up on an 80-year institution in Portland, uh, Ringside Steakhouse, where now, something they didn't have for most of those 80 years was, an, was outdoor dining, and their patio is awesome. And um, it's really nice spot to eat. They have they have some heaters out there if you need them. It's really pretty. So whether you're eating, you know, when you eat at ringside, you can either eat in the beautiful dining room, the bar. Now you can make reservations to eat in the bar or outside. Lots of choices there. In addition to lots of choices for different cuts of steak, right, Court? Yeah, I was just telling you this off air. Chris, I went just recently with my wife, Randy. Uh, you had been telling me, you got to get the Wagyu, you got to get the Wagyu. I, I finally did um, because there's so many great items to choose from, and I just hadn't got to it yet. I went with the olive-fed Wagyu, and easily the best steak I have ever had in my life. I, like, yeah. I was dumbfounded by it. It's a treat. It's not something you're going to get every time you go in there because it's a little expensive. Sure. But I've seen it for way more elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's something if you have, you know, a couple of times you get to say, just like you did, that it's the best steak you've ever had. And they yeah. have it. They have different options, too. So olive, olive fed is just one of them. The food, the food is delicious. And the service is absolutely bar none. The best in town. We had Colin serving us and just the best service the entire night. Best food. If it's a special occasion, if it's not a special occasion, Ringside Steakhouse is the place to go. Yeah, it will be just go in there. It will turn into a special occasion. There it is. So, uh, and they also have food to go now, and they even on their website they've got a, a scrolling banner. Ringside steaks are on sale, so that's a good opportunity as well. So they are on West Burnside. They're open. Let's give the hours here: four thirty to nine Monday through Thursday, four to nine thirty Friday and Saturday, and four to nine on Sunday. And, of course, set up those reservations. You can do that through the website, ringsidesteakhouse.com, or on the Open Table app. So, um, well, let's talk about that for a second. When you, you hang out with Gary, Gary's got his, I don't know, has he picked, do you think he's picked and chosen his, is it a chicken and the egg th situation? He's friends with you. He's friends with Ryan Roadhouse. He's friends with Gregory. Um, does he pick his friends who are going to be James Beard uh, Award nominees and friends, or does it just happen? Or, or is his influence helping make that happen? I'm, you know, and when no, you go, Gary, Gary's retired. Well, I know he's retired from international work or, or international play, however you want to put it. But he's still he's still hanging out with you guys. He hasn't retired from being a friend. Yeah, of course. But um, 
No, I appreciate Gary for many reasons, but he's, you know, supported me from day one. And, and you know, those that believe in you and support you, it's incredibly empowering. And, and I just like to surround myself with positive people. He's a very positive person, but I find it interesting. You know, he's, he's uh, very focused on who great chefs are. Um, that's one thing he's, if you want to know about, if you want to talk about any restaurants in the world or great chefs, Gary's the guy. And what is it about you? And he's got more friends too, the other than Gregory, the ones that I men- mentioned, Ryan, but does he gravitate towards people with that talent? And that's what he really likes from a talent standpoint? Or is there a common thread running through people like you that he kind of likes? Or is it, is it because you're great chefs and that's who he wants to hang out with? No, I mean, I think that eating is his, is his greatest hobby. You know, one of at least, uh, you know, maybe... And he's the best at pre, it. Pre, pre-pandemic, it was one of his best hobbies, greatest hobbies. He's um, still doing it. He I, still I can only I can only speak for myself, but um, from a chef standpoint, I'm the product of arguably two of his top five to ten restaurants. You know, he loves Qua and he loves Kasanya, and I worked at both. So, um, so there's that connection that we have, and there's that those shared experiences that we have, and the shared interactions with the people of those restaurants that we have, and I think that was that formed a strong basis of our friendship and also you know i think that there's a certain degree of respect that that he has for for me or for other chefs um maybe of that caliber that you say um because he knows good food so he respects he um yeah respects and appreciates others that maybe he feels knows good food um and then you know as i've gone to know gary We've formed friendships for other things. You know, we uh, we happen to both be Manchester United fans. So, you know, the majority of the time we spend together is either watching a game or talking about soccer. Um, I don't have many friends that follow sports. So I really enjoy having that with him, you know, with other sports. Um, and he's very diverse with sports. I mean, yeah. he's one of the few people in Portland that I can sp- talk baseball with too and he knows everything yeah and um i just you know i enjoy you know sometimes he'll reach out to me for advice and um there are times when i reach out to him and i i appreciate his his insight and i appreciate that um when we do have conversations it forces me to think in a way that's different than i typically would think uh, well, I think that's one of the things is as we get older, we realize that it's very beneficial to tap into other people who think differently and maybe see their perspective and realize, you know, we tend to think in terms of, well, the way I think is right. And the, old, the more I have aged, the more I realize it's probably the way I think is there is no real right or wrong. It's you just have to respect that we live in a world with other people who have different opinions. So, um, but you know, I don't. I don't find there are other people in the food world here who I view as contrarians. I don't view Gary that way. I think he's a 
he's an equal opportunity, equal opportunity food, food lover. And the other thing, uh, it's fun to talk about Gary because I don't have guests on a lot that I can, with whom mm. I can do this. And Gary's an important person in our Portland food world, whether he wants to admit it or not. Um, but he, he will, you know, he'll talk about Michelin star restaurants. He'll talk about your restaurant, but he's also not bashful about talking about how much he loves Domino's and McDonald's as well. And I think that's yeah. <laughs> a refreshing thing in Portland because it's so frowned upon to talk about a corporate restaurant here in a positive way. Um, I remember when I first moved here, I went to, I was on Hawthorne and I walked into a, the Starbucks on Hawthorne and someone screamed at me. <laughs> right. What are you, you're selling out just by being yeah. here. Do yeah. you have any guilty pleasures that, uh, um, that you want to cop to? No, I mean, I love potato chips. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I still have a sweet tooth. I'm always kind of sneaking candy, um, into the house. And, um, yeah, those are kind of my, you know, Potato chips, um, gummy sour stuff like that. But you're not so. There's no. Uh, there's no restaurant. There's no more Starbucks that you would. Oh. The you know where you would. No, I mean I grew up in Orange County, so fast food is incredibly nostalgic for me and, and very comforting. Um, I haven't really had too many of those moments of weakness as of late, but um, I, I definitely um, am not above you know a drive-through. Carl's Jr. or Jack in a Box or, or that, but um, I definitely prefer to stay away from mainly because I I do have such so many food sensitivities that um, you know there's a lot of cross contamination going on and um, it's not the healthiest food. So, so where do you tend to go um, in Portland when you're going out? What do you like? Where have you been? I mean, I go to I go to Earl's a lot of Earl's restaurants because Those they're are delicious. Good they're, um, you know, I like supporting people that I care about and respect. Let, let me just say that's Earl Ninsom. So when you say that, we're talking okay, about, uh, we yeah. can't assume everybody knows who Earl is. They should. They do. They know of his yeah. restaurants. But we're talking about Eam and Hot Yai, and you may have some others. Yeah, uh, Paddy. Paddy's a big go-to in Eam. I went to Eam so regularly when they first opened that um, I kind of needed a few years to chill out. But I went pretty recently and it was just as good as the first time I had it. So, um, yeah, I love his restaurants, love the people involved. Um, big fan of street disco. I, I don't go as often. I mean, I went a few times earlier on and I just haven't gone out in a while. Um, yeah. There's one that's on my bucket list. Speaking of feeling bad about not going anywhere. I've heard that's always mentioned, uh, by people I know who know food, street disco. I just got oh, yeah. to Gato Gato. It took me a long time to oh, get yeah. to Gato Gato. I got I got to get to Gato Gato again. I went to um, so I went to Gato Gato when they first opened and really enjoyed it. My it's my cousin's favorite restaurant. I was like, what? How come you can't say my? You have to say my <laughs> restaurant's your favorite. But um, and then uh, but I went to Oma's for my bachelor party and you know had a great time. Really enjoyed it. Uh, but we got to go back to. Gato Gato. Yeah, Thomas is a super nice guy. And um, were you two rooting for each other uh, in Chicago? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I know a couple. I know Josh as well, and you know, I, I wish him all the best as well. And uh, it's tough. I, I didn't like you said. Going back to your original question, I didn't think I was going to win. 
So it was it was a shock to you, like uh, when they called your name. Absolutely, I was just kind of. That's why I didn't prepare anything. I was I didn't think it was going to win. You know, I definitely recognized that I had a lot of momentum going my way, but um, you know, you never know. And I'm I'm working on it, but I I definitely set. I definitely um, will kind of set myself up with defenses saying like I'm not going to win or to not get myself excited in in, in the event that I don't win. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm working on that because I could do better about that, you know, and, and it'll help me appreciate the moments more. So was that the most exciting thing that happened to you in your life? Like a slap shot, just like oh, score. Absolutely, absolutely <laughs> not. It's very cool. But, uh, um, no, I have some family stuff going on that's very exciting. So, right, but that was a moment. Well, there were, you know, family stuff. I can only imagine what you're talking about. But, uh, you know, that was a moment where you went from, you know, question marks coming out of your head, and mm-hmm. as you said, thinking that you weren't going to win. To holy shit, I'm being called out on this. It's yeah, great. I mean, um, Patty, Patty. Uh, Dinich was the presenter and her voice will forever be in my head on, you know, how she said my name. So uh, it, was, it was a very special moment. Um, I, I'm so grateful my wife was there by my side to be able to celebrate with me. And um, yeah, to be honest, I don't know if I've fully comprehended it yet and, under, you know, fully appreciated it yet. But um, I definitely recognize that I'm not always going to have this moment or moments like this. So I'm going to do my best to appreciate it while also, you know, recognizing the opportunity to set new goals and uh, continue to strive towards those. What might those goals be? What could you, where could you be uh, setting the bar now? No, I mean, James Beard is amazing, but um, there are other goals that I have that uh, aren't even award driven. Uh, there's a there's a level that I know I'm capable of, and I'm nowhere near that. And but I'm excited that we're going in the right direction. And and uh, it wasn't until I started more so focusing on these types of goals rather than awards that I actually won the awards. Um, so that's what we're doing. And um, you know, before we had our set standard, now we have a standard of being a James Beard winner you know we i understand that that's going to attract the the type of clientele that's going to have certain expectations and they're not necessarily going to know what they're getting themselves into and that's a that's kind of can be a dangerous combination that could often lead to people that don't enjoy themselves so we're going to do our best to to control what we can control which is making sure things are executed um you know the way we want to want to execute and just do it our best to remain consistent and remain focused. Well, you know, you can't please all the people all the time anyway, either before the awards or after the <laughs> awards or, you know, people have different palettes and they have different, uh, yes, they're going to have certain expectations, uh, especially those that, you know, Portland is a place where people have flown into to eat. I mean, Le Pigeon was kind of well known for, People flying in from New York and and sitting there. So there, those. I think folks- it's amazing that um, 
you know, what um, Gabriel Ruckert has been able to achieve, they've, you know, it speaks volumes of, of him as a chef and a leader that, you know, he could have so much success, you know, over a decade ago, and to still maintain that success throughout this uh, reckoning of chefs. Um, so he's someone that I really admire and uh, respect, and I'm excited to go back to Pigeon. I went when I first moved here, and yeah, I'm excited to go back. So And, and he's done a marvelous job with Kennard. I yeah. saw him... You know, with no shirt on today, talking mm. uh, on Instagram about getting together mm. for a running walk group on Mondays at 9 o'clock just to motivate people to bring Portland back. And I will say I've had a little experience with Gabriel in terms of, well, we were born on the same day, which mm. is not the same exact day. It's, we have the same birthday, and um, which is cool. But... Uh, when I first went to him and wanted to do an event, a Portland Food Adventures event with him back, oh, it had to be 2013 or 14 when he was in the, he was just right there with, with uh, being the rising star and everybody was lauding everything he did. And I said, I asked him, I said, why are you doing this? Um, you don't have to do this event. And he humbly said to me, Listen, if I start thinking I'm better than everybody else and that I don't have to do things like that, that's when I'm going to fall. So I'm going to assume that that is still in his heart, that he is humble enough to know that he's got to keep up the good work to be, you know, to be on a level where he is. And, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I applaud how he operates and uh, how he carries himself as well. So, you know, he, just like you, was nominated and, and he won Rising Star Chef. And then uh, I don't think he won Best Chef Northwest. Did he? I, you may not know. I don't necessarily think he has. Maybe, maybe know. not. Anyway, it doesn't matter the awards. He's doing well. He loves his family. Um, he's, a, he's a great father. He's teaching his kids baseball and all that. So that's the important <laughs> thing. That's the important thing, I think. So, uh, yeah, we've got, we've got a lot of people to look up to. And now you are, you know, you have been for a while, but now it's, it's etched in stone. Here's Vince. Uh, this is a guy in a restaurant to pay real attention to. Does that put the pressure on you? Do you feel a little more pressure than you felt before? Honestly, no. Um, I know how quickly it can go away. And just because I want to How do you know that at 36? Because I've seen it. You know, I've seen, I've seen chefs receive awards and I've seen them not um, act accordingly, whether that is from a moral standpoint or they become complacent. And just like that, it goes away. Next year, there's going to be a new... Best Chef Northwest. It's not going to be me. So um, that doesn't take anything away from this award. But, uh, yeah, I think that'll be um, – I think when that time comes, I'll definitely experience uh, some new feelings. And uh, But, again, I'll, I'll – yeah, we'll see. But beyond that, I just know that it can go away. You know, it can be well, taken from you. The awards do in time, and that's cur- that's a curious thing. Um, I'd like to talk about it with you right now at this point in your life. I've always thought it's kind of unfair that 
not only for restaurants to get coverage on Eater that have been around for 20 or 30 years, right? It's the new shiny ones that get the coverage in, in Eater and Portland Monthly. They're always going to be the ones that get attention. And they're always the one. The newer ones are the ones that win all the awards. What about guys like Aaron Barnett, who's very talented and has done what he's done for many years? Is he ever going to be nominated for a James Beard Award? I don't know. I don't think so. And it, I think it's it's really always about the next new thing. Does that seem like that? That's is the case to you, and will always be the case. Yeah, I mean, but oftentimes the shiny new toy represents something that's exciting and different. Um, you know, with respect to say what uh, Aaron Burnett cooks, it, you would say it's a, uh, you know, traditional French cuisine. Um, with a little spin, right. Yeah, done at, done at a high level, no, no doubt. And uh, I mean, I've enjoyed, you know, I go to heavenly creatures. I've been to St. Jack plenty of times. I enjoy it. It's great. Um, but I don't know, someone that comes around and does a Vietnamese, maybe a Vietnamese tasting menu or does, um, you know, Indonesian cuisine or it, it doesn't have to just be um, a representation of, say, a BIPOC or API community, but it's just something different and different is what's exciting. So I think the narrative of, of um, these cultures that are being represented as an overcorrection of maybe past um, mistakes, I think that's kind of skewed. I think truly what is happening here is these cultures are being represented now through um, by people that have the savvy and understanding of um, you know of, of marketing and of, of social media to be able to showcase what they're doing at a high level and and that can be very exciting. Yeah, I don't I don't sense? doubt that, but I just wonder if someone who's 50 years old and been mm. doing it for a long time could be recognized as the best at some point at ever again or if it's always got to be someone it I I don't know, I haven't gone through the list. If it's always going to be someone young, I'm not saying they're not worthy. I'm just wondering. Mm. I, I've always I felt you. I've always felt that someone who's been doing this for thirty, forty years deserves recognition, and they don't get it that often. I hear you. I mean, you look at say in San Francisco and California, someone like Corey Lee, who is arguably the best chef. You know, three Mission Star Restaurant Benu, highly, highly respected. And I don't know, I don't know the last time he was on the list, and um, I don't know. Yeah, well, I guess, listen, we should just appreciate who's winning, who's being recognized, and that we're, we're seeing people like you. There are going to be a lot of people who didn't know about Bear Lou, and um, who now do, and who didn't know you, and um, well, they're going to be that much better off for having listened to this podcast to hear a, a thoughtful... <laughs> Um, really, a thoughtful, intelligent person who not only is skilled in the kitchen, but is probably, I would, I, I would say, really good at what you do because you are thoughtful and you have given. That's how you approach your business. Is the same way you approach answering a question. So, um, no, I think it. I 
I think it's fantastic, and I'm I'm happy for you. I remember the first time Gary brought you to my attention, and then you did too. You contacted us a long time ago, and uh, and I appreciate that. So, what else? What is there? Anything you're not going to do anything differently, right? I was going to say, what can people expect from Berlou and Vince now that you've won this award? Yeah, I mean, we we, rec- we know what we do well, so we're going to continue that. But there are still areas that we can improve and, and things that we can change that maybe we didn't think was possible, but now um, now we feel that we can achieve. So, um, yeah. So we'll Why is it that. now that you can feel? You, you... No, maybe, maybe, it's a, maybe it's a confidence thing. Maybe it's, not to say pressure, but... Um, Maybe it's a desire to to reach certain expectations, and and that kind of forces your hand on doing something that maybe you you hesitated, um, but now you know that you are capable of it, and um, and even if you're not at the moment, you'll figure out a way to be capable of it. Um, I would imagine the pandemic helped you a lot in that regard because you had to, as you said, pivot. And you had to do things that were a little out of your comfort zone. At least I would imagine they weren't what you were planning on doing when you opened the restaurant. Yeah, I mean, I've my whole career has been slightly out of the usual. Like my the highest level I ever reached was sous chef, um, and then I started a pop up, and you know that has its challenges. And then I started doing residencies at places that weren't restaurants. So you you have to become crafty with, uh, with with what situations you're given whether it's like an induction in a toaster oven or just a circulator or whatever it is um, so that's benefited me I think the mentality of wrecking or seeing your setup um, rather than seeing it as a limitation seeing it as an opportunity to just stand out has helped me um, you know at Bearloo I think you'd be really shocked at what we have at our disposal you know, in terms of equipment and space, but um, we don't we don't have any desire to complain or or feel like oh we could like if I would have won if I wouldn't have won I wouldn't have said you know what if I had this I would we could have won I I wouldn't think that way I would think of I would appreciate what I do have and 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 see what you know if there are ways that we can be more efficient or uh, more clever in in how we operate within the space. Well, you got a team to help you do that. When we went to the break, I mentioned uh, the talking about what you do outside of work. And you did talk earlier about having some work-life balance, right, for your staff. Mm -hmm. And that's got to include you, uh, you know, the fact that you're like that you have a home life. What is it that you like to do other than watch Manchester United? Um, I mean, we talked about it last time. I'm still boxing. So oh, that's right. I, I've been a little, no problem. I've been a little inconsistent lately just because um, I had a little shoulder um, shoulder pain. So, you know, I, I usually don't try to force it too much. And um, so, yeah, so kind of getting back into that, which I'm excited about. And, you know, I have a puppy and he's, he's almost two now. But What kind he, of puppy do you have? He's a, a Bichon Poodle. Oh, nice. That's a good So just dog. a little curly guy. He's 26 pounds. He's like, you know, my wife and I's joy. So uh, it's so fun to live life with him. 
Um, so yeah, so on our days off, we we go to the parks, we go hikes, and you know we we take trips when we can. Um, she's a acupuncturist. She has her own business as well. So you know we're both very busy, but uh, we really try to uh, you know live in the moment and make the most of the time together. Uh, yeah. So it's been. Great. What's the dog's name? Benny. Benny, have you taken Benny out to the beach? Has he experienced oh my gosh. the Oregon love, coast? He loves the beach. Oh, it's so precious. He'll just chase the sea foam. He'll run in the water, and it's the most precious thing. I can only imagine it's it's one tenth of what it's like, to, one one hundredth of what it's like to have a child and live life through through their joy. But uh, yeah. Well, I'll awesome. say this. Listen, I've had ki- I've have two kids and a grown. <laughs> And I've had a few dogs. I will say this. The one thing I will say about dogs is they're a lot easier. And they don't yeah. – they never compl- complain. Yeah. And yeah. It's, all, it's all joy. I cannot – I'm going to say truthfully, there's no one that can argue with me that kids are always all joy. They're, they're yeah. just you – know. <laughs> No, I, I hear you. I don't <laughs> doubt it. I don't doubt it. So, I definitely uh, wasn't was all joy. I was a terror when I was a kid. When yeah, I was a young well – I'm just I will, full of energy. Out of respect to my sons, I will leave that alone. But my oh. son, one of my sons, has uh, has almost just apologized for yeah. now that he's older and he's realized what what things were like. Um, I think every kid does that. I yeah, mean, I, I gave my parents a hard time, and uh, uh, you know, a lot lots do. But um, you know, you're welcome to come out here and join Kodak. Benny and Kodak in the water. Kodak is a really good teacher, especially low tide in the in the tide pools. This is such an exciting time for the Oregon coast. I love low tide at the Oregon coast. Yeah, the tide pools. I mean, I was just out there yesterday, and I can chuck that ball, and Kodak will be swimming for two hours and without any any worry of riptides too, because I gotta be a little concerned with those. Um, but yeah, so uh, playing with doggies. Have you? Uh, I'm just curious, as a soccer fan or football fan, did you get to watch Ted Lasso? Do you have any thoughts yeah, on so that? Yeah, so I think I think we just started. So what's the final? Is the final season or the now, most current season three or two? No, three. 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 Okay, I think we we just finished season two. Well, we finished it a while ago, but. Um, we're excited for season three. We kind of we're kind of stuck on Succession right now, mm-hmm. and I'm only in, I only just started season three, so we have a long ways to go. But um, it's nice to throw Ted Lasso in there every now and then because it can get a little too too malicious. <laughs> right. That that was my feeling with Succession. It, a little bit different, but I always felt that way about Breaking Bad. I had to take a break mm. from Breaking Bad. Yeah. Um, it was a little too much. The same thing with Better Call Saul. But Ted Lasso, it's kind of hard to get tired of that. But I'm curious. I heard a lot of people complain about season three. I can't find where they were. What was? I personally can't find. Okay. So season three has concluded. Season three has concluded, and I believe they have left it. They have not said there will be a season four yet. Okay. But they sort of implied this is probably the last one. I don't know. Hmm. But. but you know how nice to have a program that is uplifting and makes you yeah. not only makes yeah. you laugh but is you know a little campy at the same time. 
but yeah. uh, I enjoyed it. And you know, I don't love. I'm not a big soccer fan. I've had you know the only game, the only timber game I've ever gone to was a, was a uh, nothing nothing tie. Mm. So that wasn't a good one. Nil 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 right <laughs> nil nil. <laughs> thanks thanks it's okay i I don't mind not knowing that no um, i'm just I, a I, time. I corrected somebody the other day who was referring to uh, it was a little kid but uh they were talking about baseball and points yeah. and i said no there's nobody who's scored six points ever in a baseball game they may have scored six runs but not mm. points so i'm i'm happier to know a little bit about that so um are you a baseball fan um, I mean, I grew up a Cubs fan. I grew up following the sport, but not really. It's probably my le- I would say golf and then baseball, probably the two of my least favorite sports. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I was just curious. But I respect the it. game and um, yeah, maybe not for me. Well, that's all right. I'm, I'm with you on golf too. And I grew up around it a lot. And uh, probably that's the reason I lost interest in it. But um, anything else? Do you uh, do you get to travel? Have you been? Yeah, I mean, we traveled a lot recently because it's my wife and I's birthdays uh, at the end of May. So we mm-hmm. um, we took a little trip to Bellingham, which was gorgeous. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was beautiful. And, and my, my my wife works with the native community out at Grand Ron, which is near Tillamook. Oh, mm-hmm. so you know, yeah. Um, yeah. So she goes there every week. She does acupuncture there. And so she was connected to the uh, um, the Lummi tribe over in Bellingham, and uh, was actually potentially going to work at that um, uh, reservation. So we kind of checked it out while we were there, and it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful location. I hope you're not telegraphing that someday there may be uh, a uh, Berlu in um, Bellingham that isn't in Portland. Oh no, I don't know. We'll see. It's funny though. She, my wife, will talk about moving uh, so casually. I'm like, well, you know, I kind of have these restaurants, this restaurant here that I can't just leave, get up and leave. But um, I don't know. We'll see. You know. Well, others have done it. You know, there yeah. was a time where I thought, how could anybody ever leave Portland? Yeah. I don't. I. I. I don't question that as much as I as I used to. So. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for the longest time, we were talking about moving to Montana because that's where she's from, and. I would have figured a way to, you know, I would have enjoyed it because I would have had her and I love her family. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a lot of all her family still lives there. Um, but it, it would have definitely been a transition. And, um, yeah. Well, a built-in customer base. But, you know, a lot, quite a few people I know have moved to Montana. Mm-hmm. Just because of the Frank Zappa song, I think they had to do oh, that yeah. to, to give, make, bring that into my head. I might be <laughs> moving to Montana soon. Just to raise me up a crop of dental floss. Okay. I don't think that's what you're going to be doing. But uh, yeah. <laughs> first time I've ever even brought lyrics into the podcast. So that's uh, 10 years it took me to do that. Um, so um, uh, anything else you would like to impart that you would like to communicate to uh, your your loyal customer base and oh those that, who are going to be your future customer base? I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to cook Vietnamese food. I, I see it as such a great privilege because it's a it's a cuisine that so many love, and it's a culture that so many love. And it's been really special to be able to cook this food and and be able to talk to some of the guests. Many, you know, the majority of them Westerners, 
um, and have them share their experiences of going to Vietnam and eating eating certain dishes, um, you know, around around um, either Portland or in Vietnam of, of Vietnamese dishes that they were really excited about and they kind of um, maybe had the traditional version, but reminded them of a dish that we served. Um, so it's been a lot of fun to connect on that level. Um, I always ask guests that, you know, have experience traveling to Vietnam or, or uh, just eating Vietnamese food, what their favorite traditional dishes are, because there's so many dishes that I don't know about. And um, yeah, it's a great way to, to learn the culture is through their food. I actually, my, best Vietnamese friend, and I can't say I have a lot of them, is named Win also. Mm. And um, that's where I'm, I'm going to gather them up and come in, the four of us, oh my gosh, to I enjoy your restaurant. I think that would be the best way to enjoy it yeah. um, with my uh, I mean, dear friend. These are really good friends, and I don't see them enough. So there's and then, we, then we can talk about you in Vietnamese. Yeah. <laughs> you, well, behind my back, that's a little right in bit, front of you. Uh, right yeah, in front of you, looking you in the uh, eye too. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you want to do that. That, no. that reminds me of my uh, grandmother speaking Hungarian when I was oh a little kid. I didn't know what they were saying. <laughs> but yes, please do. I think that would be a treat. One of my biggest treats in life is to go to Italy and listen to the uh, uh, Austri who does our. Italy tours with us mm-hmm. and speak Italian. That is oh, that is one of the uh, most artful things that I've ever experienced in my life. So mm-hmm. hearing, I I don't know if Long is. I think he's conversant in Vietnamese. Sure, he's been here for a long time, but that would be fun. We'll do that. I'll make a point. As a matter of fact, I will be texting Dana and Long after to uh, mm-hmm. suggest we come in. How far out? How, how easy is it to get a reservation? No, I mean, this is a new territory now all of a sudden, but generally speaking, how far out are you? So we open reservations um, one month in advance. So say mm-hmm. the entirety of August will open up on July 1st. Mm-hmm. And we'll do that at 12 o'clock. And, um, you know, I hope it, uh, hopefully it sells out relatively quickly. Uh, we're currently booked out... Uh, you know, through July, so very grateful. How for quickly that. did July sell out when you opened it up? Yeah, I mean, it sold out in a couple minutes. Oh. But, um, <laughs> but it's not, you know, I don't take it for granted. It, it's it wasn't always like that. Um, well, it's so, only going to get faster. Yeah. <laughs> so now yeah. I got to create it. I got to make the app subscription. No, that's it. People, uh, people have the apps to where you can get the the hard reservations faster. I don't know how they do it, but. Um, that's how I'll make my money. I'll create restaurants where there's such a high demand. It's where they're forced to use the app, and that's where the where I actually make the money is through the Yeah, app. you're going to own the app. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. But i got to figure out a way because I'm no longer – I used to win auctions at eBay like that. Mm. I know how to deal with that. But uh, getting in – you know, here's the thing. By the time – you have to have your credit card ready because with mm. these – with any of these systems – if you need to get in under the gun, by the time you grab your credit card, that reservation is gone. So you need to, that. you need to, you know, we use talk. So you need to establish your account that it's already saved. The yeah. uh, credit card's in there. Well, I'm sure yeah. I have. I've used talk enough. Yeah, so, so you should okay. be good. Just make sure you're signed in. I'll figure in it and, out. Yeah. Well, if I don't, you'll be hearing from me. 
Well, you know Gary, so have Gary reach out. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Gary doesn't. Re- Here's the thing. Gary doesn't want, I don't think will reach out for me. Gary doesn't even want to go to eat with me. So, uh, <laughs> so to ask him for help in that regard, I did just ask him to, uh, to nudge Gregory to get him on the podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. And he said yes, which was, I was oh, cool. happy about. Because, uh, you know, those are the kind of things I don't want to ask Gary to do. But um, anyway, and thanks for, you knocked him out. He was doing me a favor, I think, by doing the podcast <laughs> this week. We were going to do, he wants, we're going to do some of his favorite cheap meals. And uh, hap- so happened that uh, he said he couldn't do it this week. I said, really? Not at all. And he said, Friday. So I just, after you uh, agreed to come on today, I wrote him and said, if you want to do next week, let's do that. So, um, no, I'm grateful be- for your flexibility as well. Cause, um, you know, w- once on service days, I don't have any time. So today we just had prep and, and we finished and, um, yeah, so I was able, that's why I had to do it a little later was because I had to come home to get my headphones and all that. So it worked out. Hey, for you, I was, this is the latest I've ever done the podcast. You know? Yeah, a lot of firsts on this podcast. You didn't record or you recorded too early. You brought up the lyrics and now. Right, that's three, three firsts. I'm sure yeah. there's another one. Let's make one. it four firsts and you come in and eat, huh, Chris? That's, yeah, a, a first for Berlou. I, yes. <coughs> I feel like shit about that, but I'm going to rectify that. So that's easy enough. So, um, all right, man. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Uh, uh, One more time for anybody who's still listening, and I hope they are, the website and your Instagram, where do they find you? Um, So, berlupdx.com. That's B-E-R-L-U-P-D-X.com. That's the website, berlupdx on all the socials. Okay, and also to find you, because I always found it a challenging name to remember. It's Vince Wynn. Of course, that's spelled N-G-U-Y-E-N. Yeah, and uh, my Venmo, if you want to contribute to that, is uh, Vince Wynn 23 Oh, just random, random contributions. <laughs> All right, good. We'll do that. And that may be a way, listen, you were talking about revenue streams. That may be a way to get in a little easier is contribute yeah. to that, that Venmo stream and then write and say, hey, listen, I'd like to get a reservation for X Saturday nice. night at 7 o'clock. At the eight. I bet you What's that seating? exists. I bet you that exists. Oh, I'm sure it that does. And, I, and it's legal. So yeah. what, what times are the seatings, by the way, so people yeah. can get prepped for this? So 5 p.m. and 8.15 p.m. And dinner usually lasts about 2 hours and 15 minutes. I would yep. imagine when you say two hours and 15 minutes, it's not two and a half hours or it's not two hours. Oh. It's, no, we, we, it's we're be. trying to be conscious about the time. Um, you know, we want it to be paced well. We don't want to um, rush anyone. But, you know, part of what we found works for us is or just tasting menus. And our, our, our vision of what a, t- a successful tasting menu is, is, uh, you know, a meal that's not that long. To where we have to sit for three, four hours, and um, how are your seats? That's a big thing for me. Yeah, I mean the seats, seats themselves are. are the seats are comfortable, and then we have a little banquette as well. Like so, for the most part, guests will sit either side, like one on the banquette, one on on a chair, and they're both very comfortable. Um, obviously, I think the banquette's a little more comfortable. There's more pillows, but um, yeah. 
Well, super. Thanks for taking your time on a day where you were working all day, and here you are. Mm. We're now, for the record, we're at 8.12 p.m. on Thursday night. So thank you. Right before your service tomorrow. So thanks so much. Thanks so much, Vince. I look forward to thanking you. Yes, and I look forward to thanking you in person soon. (laughs) Sounds good. Take care, man. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right